Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I'm your host, Meredith Loftus, aka your friendly neighborhood fangirl. Once Upon a Time is officially a decade old. For the past three episodes, I've looked back at my time with the series and its fandom with my fellow fangirls. We've gone through a lot of ups and downs, but today is the final chapter of this story. Before we finish this epic journey of Once Upon a Time, a couple of disclaimers. First, for listeners who have never watched Once Upon a Time, there will be some spoilers ahead about different plot points and character relationships. Again, the point of these episodes is more to highlight the online fandom, not a critical deep dive of the series. But still, this is your official spoiler alert! Second, if you haven't listened to parts one through three, please go back and listen to them before starting this one. Besides, you don't want to read the final chapter first, right? Right. Okay, that's everything. As always, I'm not alone. For one more time, I am joined by my friends and fellow oncers. We have nerdy girl notes herself, Katie. Hi, everyone. And we have Geesony Sophia, head of Marvelous Geeks. Hello. Hi. The girly nerd, Marianne. Great to see you again. Lizzie from Fangirlish. Hi. Your money geeks, Maggie. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Temple of Geeks, Maddie. Thank you for having me. Representing the Brazilian Oncers, Manuela. Thank you for inviting me. I have the Rizzo sisters, Lena and Marisa. Hello, everybody. (laughs) And I also have my dear uh, British (laughs) J-Mo representing the British Wantsers, Philippa. Hi. And last but not least, my friend Laura. Hey. And with that, let's return to Storybrooke one last time for part four, 10 Years of Magic. When I decided to embark on this journey to tell this story about Once Upon a Time, I knew it would bring up a lot. In fact, it took a conversation with a few of my friends featured in these episodes that prompted me to do this in the first place. I knew there was a lot left over after saying goodbye in 2017. But if I was going to do this right, I wanted to bring in some outside perspective. When I first met my now friend and colleague, E.T.'s Filiana Ng, I knew her first from my Once Upon a Time fangirl days. You see, when I first knew her, she was one of the journalists I kept up with who covered this show. At the time, she was working for The Hollywood Reporter. So when I asked to interview her for this, it brought things full circle. Here's our conversation about her time covering Once Upon a Time back in its peak. This really does feel like a full circle moment for me because, Filiana, I was one of those fans that, like, followed you on Twitter and, like, picked apart every little... I know, we've talked about that, I think. It's so... But it's so weird to, like, talk about of, like, yeah, that's where I started. And, like, you know, we now know each other and we're Mm -hmm. recording this in person. You were the the THR person for Once Upon a Time. We all, like, we all knew the different, like, outlets of who was was on the beat. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting because 
I worked in a vacuum, so I don't really know who's reading things mm-hmm. that I'm writing or how it's being received. Um, so it was like really cool because I remember you like mentioned this a, a while ago, yeah. and I was. It's like cool to just know, like, oh yeah, like people who watch the show actually read my stuff. Like that is awesome. Because you know, I just sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. Unless, and I like I mentioned, like I, like I feel like I engaged a lot more with fans and viewers back then than mm-hmm. I do now. Yeah. Um, but without that, I wouldn't have known. So. So that's cool. Yeah. Once upon a time, probably was one of my favorite shows to like write about at the time. How long did you cover the series in a professional setting? Um, I covered the show since the very beginning, since its premiere in, I believe it premiered in uh, 2011, right? Um, so I think from the very start until probably season three, season four, um, I lived and breathed that show for those couple of years mm-hmm. um that was one of my major shows that I covered um at my previous job it was it was intense you just said in your answer that you lived and breathed this show uh can you elaborate on that a bit more um, was this like the main series that you were covering like w- what about it like it was in- yeah it was one of the main shows I think it was pretty apparent early on that um, the show was going to be a big traffic driver for us or um, just because of who was involved, what the story was about, um, the characters, the fact that there was a little bit of a romantic undertone to it. I mean, not there there was. Very strong. <laughs> Not as much as an undercurrent, but like a it was tidal like, wave. It was like, actually, that was the whole drive of behind the show, right? Was, you know, happy endings, like love of various kinds, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, um, it was it was one of my main shows that I was covering just because the 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 viewers were very active online and were very passionate mm-hmm. and were basically, it was one of those shows, especially in its early seasons, just, you know, looking for any piece of information or um, clip or anything, interview, what have you. They were, like, they were itching for it, so... Um, you have to give what they want, right? So that was kind of what that was. And also just like on Twitter, like live tweeting episodes or interacting with fans and things like that. You've said it earlier on. For THR, like you got a lot of traffic with Once Upon a Time mm-hmm. and fans would uh, pick apart every little thing. Like they couldn't get oh, enough yeah. of finding Once Upon a Time They stuff. would, I remember, I can't, like my, I just would remember like, and this is, I'm just speaking generally here, just people would this was how passionate they were about the show that they loved was they would pick apart you know one line in an interview where you know a producer said one thing that really wasn't anything if you really think about it but they're just gonna take it and run with it because it is regarding you know you know emory captain hook let's say or something like that Mm -hmm. whatever and it was like they would just like dissect one little piece. It's just like 
that I just remember things like that or like certain quotes being picked up because mm-hmm. oh my god they said that what does that mean it's like guys don't worry <laughs> you're overreacting probably it's probably nothing that was kind of how that that was like the fandom back then it was kind of it was really it was actually kind of fun to see at times um just to see how engaged they were with the characters that they were clearly invested in and spending a lot of time with you're describing your relationship with the online fandom did you have like a good relationship overall as far as like putting stuff out um was it overall a positive experience was it a negative experience I think um for the most part it was pretty positive because I think I'm also the type of person that you know I don't engage with negativity anyway or Mm. like any of that sort because I just don't think it's worth it like there's no reason to like amplify negativity Mm -hmm. um so my experience with the fandom wasn't was pretty good for the most part they're very very loud um on Twitter especially and you know on Tumblr on Mm. all the like social platforms that you can think of but um yeah I didn't like I don't have necessarily a, a bad story per se, but that's good. It's more just because like I I'm and I'm sure that other people have had different experiences, just because of the fans of the show are incredibly passionate, and sometimes that veers and in, goes into like territory that is a little bit dicey at times, where it's like now you're crossing a line or you know things like that or it's just Mm -hmm. not healthy to like engage with so I just try not to but I just remember yeah every time I would tweet a story or like an interview or a clip or something it's more like excitement enthusiasm I mean obviously there's gonna be people who are not happy about certain things but it's like guys it is what it is I don't write the show. It's like I have to, there's some point, there were some points during the like four years where I had to remind myself, I don't write the show. So, you know, you can't get mad at me mm-hmm. if you're not happy with something. Like, totally. please just remember, <laughs> direct your anger towards somebody else, but not me. <laughs> Things like that. Did fandom at all affect the way that you covered Once Upon a Time for The Hollywood Reporter? It did. It did. As it should, I think. To a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you want to give the audience, the viewers, the people who are like tuning into the show a week in, week out, the stuff that they're really wanting to know about. Like, I'm sorry, like, yes, Once Upon a Time is more than just, you know, the ship, the ship, the, like, the, the Captain Swan or, you know, other, like, other it's much more than just that Mm -hmm. but um if that is also what's kind of driving the engagement with stories and what's exciting people like of course you know yes I'm going to tailor like some questions toward that relationship or have certain things focus more on that because that's kind of why people are really interested in the show anyway so it actually does shape um the 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 coverage to a degree mm-hmm. um so 
Yeah, and I think that kind of goes across the board for like a lot of other TV shows like Vampire Diaries. It really shapes kind of the direction of like how I cover certain episodes or ask, like the questions I ask, mm-hmm. things like that. So yes, it def- short answer, yes, it definitely did. Were you aware of like any kind of like drama going on within the fandom as you were covering stuff? I was not as like attuned to kind of what was going on kind of deep into the fandom because I was so focused on what the actual like overall story was or interviews or like all that other stuff. So I didn't quite know um, specifically what was going on. I definitely have come across like not inviting, but just like, you know, people who ship certain people who maybe not aren't, who maybe aren't a couple on the show, but they want them to be like, they're very unhappy or something with the direct, or, you know, they're unhappy over something that the producers have said or one of the actors or something. It's just like, that's one of the things where it's like, it is a very uh, difficult balance, right? when when you're kind of um when you're contributing to the like the creative narrative of the show mm-hmm. it's like towing that line of just like how do you how do you control that versus how do you when when do you ignore that because then it becomes very toxic for you, you and your work, and it starts to, like, seep into your work. And I'm sure, like, later on in the show, like, as the series progressed and as the success of it continued, like, you know, fan services might have been a thing or there... I don't know. But, yeah, no, I I would come across, like, you know, because I had followed... There were... I don't know if I followed many fans, but, like, there are people who... There are a lot of Once Upon a Time fans who followed me, and I, I would check and see, like what they were talking about just to see like what are what are people what do people care about this season like are they annoyed about this thing do they like that thing like just Mm -hmm. kind of keeping tabs on like what they're talking about that's my own curiosity did you have any particular Mm -hmm. like fans that you would go back to and look at their page um or was it just like a general like look at all here's all my once upon a time followers here's like a few of them I will check out and like see what they're talking about or is it was it more random or did you have like favorites within that of that's a really good question and because so much time has passed I really can't tell you specifically if there was like an account I would go to I back then I would create lists on Twitter of Mm. like okay these are the people involved with this show that I'm sort of covering. Like, I did that with Vampire Diaries Mm -hmm. just to, like, keep tabs on the producers and some of the writers and even the composer and, like, a lot of the actors just to know, like, have a running feed of what's going on. Um, Not so much fans, but, like, I think I did that with Once Upon a Time, but I don't know if I specifically went to one page, but it was definitely, like, I would click the hashtag Mm -hmm. or click, like, um, the like OUAT hashtag or like certain ship hashtags mm-hmm. and just see okay what people were discussing like on a Sunday night if there was if I knew there was like a big episode for them or something like that I would just like see a running feed kind of like all right are they freaking out like what's happening are they excited are they sad are they pissed off are they annoyed <laughs> um for kind of like real time like reaction.
Did you experience any toxicity from the fandom? Um, and if so, what was that like? If I did, again, because it's been so long, if I did, it was usually um, fans unhappy with certain things that were said about particular romantic pairings. Mm. It always comes down, because that show is so heavily centered on romance, right? Um, That, or if a character dies suddenly. (laughs) Because there were a lot of character deaths over the course of the show, right? Yes. Or um, revelations of certain characters. If there was toxicity within the fandom towards me personally, I probably forgot about it or blocked it out, honestly. So I don't think I, I probably didn't, get the brunt of a lot of it because I also just ignored a lot of it mm-hmm. um but I mean those the, the fans that were really intense and it was really exciting to, to see how intense they were but also some, at some points it um it was a little worrisome how much they how much the fans um you know really were supporting or not supporting their characters, their ships, mm-hmm. what have you. As someone who has come to know Filiana, it was really enlightening discussing the series and the online fandom with her. Throughout the course of the series run, I became friends with someone with more of a direct connection to Once Upon a Time. Allison Cantor, who has been on a previous episode of mine, worked with the show's composer, Mark Isham, during the series' seven-season run, including the spin-off series, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. She and one of her co-workers used to stream scoring sessions and give fans an inside look of how the musical magic was made. Here's our conversation about her involvement with the series, as well as her relationship with the online fandom. So I started working for Mark Isham the summer before the show started. So I actually started after he had technically scored like the pilot version, but I was around working on the first episode because there's a lot of changes musically. So like, you know, they always do that with pilots. They sort of make it once they're like, oh, we're committing to this as a series. Let's make some changes here to make it really work with the rest of the, you know, the upcoming you know, storyline and stuff. So, um, so I started working on it really from the first episode and I wore a variety of hats on the show, all music related, but I would say primarily what I did was I did a lot of, uh, I, I produced the music for the show functionally. So I would make sure that we had an orchestra recording session. So I would help prep all of the music, get it through orchestration and copying, make sure that I sort of tracked wherever he was at any given time I knew where it was coming from. Uh, I wrote music on the show and near the end for the last few seasons, I did a lot of the mixes for producers as well. I'm just floored by the fact that you did as much as you did, you know? (laughs) Um, That is is truly a lot of hats to wear. And uh, music was so important to Once Upon a Time in particular to create, you know, those themes and to uh, really allow the audience to really fall in love with this world. So uh, like, I commend you for all of the hard work that you did, especially... (laughs) And he even that, of it all, mainly, obviously, Mark did, you know, came up with the themes largely. So, you know, it was, it was his sort of creative genius, but I was kind of the, the 
I guess just making sure it all kind of flowed nice and easily so that he could just be like, oh, here, I can think of some ideas. And I was like, okay, great. I got all the rest. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You know, he keep thinking of cool music and I'll handle the, the details. <laughs> you mentioned that you wrote music for Once Upon a Time. I did, like, yeah. uh, Do you remember what it was specifically? Episode, theme? Um, yeah, I, I mean, there are a couple of things. I, I did a little piece of the last episode just out of... Uh, it was part of the party I don't even remember at the very end like in the last scene there was there was a piece that I wrote that like transitioned into something that Mark did and um I know the very first piece that I did was like 20 or 30 seconds somewhere in episode two of the entire show <laughs> and one the other piece I didn't I don't know if I mentioned this but what, one of the sort of the interesting things about once because it's such a music heavy show uh depending on the episode there would be anywhere from about 25 to basically 40 minutes of music in the show and we could only record about 24 minutes per episode with our scoring session so a lot of the cues are actually edited from prior scenes Mm -hmm. and our music editor uh who in the first part of the show was michael baber in the second part of the show uh, i think he transitioned or somewhere around season three or four is justin hopper and they would go through and they they had basically you know they have really intensely deep knowledge of the show's music as well and, and they would edit together from prior bits of music from the show so if it was like oh here's a prince charming riding a horse through a forest we've done that before here's the here's the previous prince charming riding a horse through a forest music we'll just play it in here sounds great syncs up perfect you know <laughs> um or they'd make edits as needed so that that was also a really valuable uh piece of, of uh, music production they would handle that to kind of make sure we just said it was humanly possible because there are definitely some episodes where it really would not have been possible to actually create 40 entirely brand new minutes of music. What was your relationship like with the online fandom community? When I went to 100th episode party, I think this was before those, I could be wrong. Um, I went to this 100 episode party in Vancouver, like went up there, did a whole thing and took a bunch of photos and posted them on Twitter and Robbie K retweeted one or two of them and my Twitter following like doubled overnight. <laughs> that was right along there with my actually personally starting to interact more with people. Somewhere around season five, my coworker Tyler decided to start live streaming the scoring session. He started, he was like, you know, we should start podcasting these in Periscope because people are really interested in it. But yeah, so Tyler would, would, would uh, stream some of the Periscopes if we had to be really careful. I would help him pick when to do it because he wanted to make sure that the music wasn't giving too much away. Were you aware of any kind of like drama within the fandom or kind of the nature, like what fans were like talking about with each other? Like how privy were you to like that kind of stuff? Yeah, I would say I tried to be somewhat aware of what might be controversial so as to avoid uh, getting blacklisted by anybody. having a you know not to say that I had any sort of weird opinions or anything but just kind of was like all right like I know that like we like both me and Mark and the whole you know any of when on the music team like we probably don't want to like touch this issue because people have really strong opinions about it and it's like not really you know I, so I, I don't I don't remember even now I know like shipping is obviously one of those that like some people get really like hardcore about stuff and so I did sort of as I mentioned briefly earlier I, I had a swan queen sweater that I wore once and like took a picture of it and then Mark like retweeted it or liked it or something and everyone was like oh my god I was like it doesn't mean anything you guys it's just a cute sweater <laughs> like I, you know I, I, I you know I'll broke swan queen but it's not like it was a giveaway for the show obviously but other than that I think there was very little we would try to stay 
as far away from anything that wasn't, I guess, like canon on the show and to, to avoid, uh, A, to avoid people speculating to make it look like we're giving away spoilers or anything like that and, and B, to uh, just because it's, I, I, I don't know, as, as someone who's enjoying giving glimpses of the gig to people, I don't necessarily need to become uh, mired in any fandom drama if I can afford it. <laughs> I just, I just want to be appreciative of every fan. <laughs> um, you know, with caveats, obviously, I wouldn't want to, you know, support anything bad but it always you know just going to be like all right cool we're going to step away from anything that might be so yeah off the top of my head I don't remember specifically a huge amount of stuff but I do remember at the time being a little bit more aware of what it was and and trying to stay as uh, as neutral as possible <laughs> it's always interesting getting a look behind the veil to see what people on the inside were thinking about Another group of people I really wanted to get their Once Upon a Time takes from were the actors on the series. Even though I never got an actor's direct perspective on the Once Upon a Time fandom, I did learn that the main cast had a particular interest in us. Listen to what Katie from Nerdy Girl Notes learned from her DMs with a savior in a red leather jacket. I had been very fortunate that for almost a year, we had had fairly regular direct messaging conversations, Jennifer Morrison and I, about my writing and about like the show as a whole and about certain aspects of fandom and all of it. And even just like the direct message conversations I had had with her back in the day, like she's like the most articulate human being who puts so much thought and effort into that character that like it was it was amazing to get to be like, oh, hi, like, let's, let's talk for a couple minutes about this character that like you love so much and I love so much. And your, uh, communication with Jennifer Morrison, does she ever point anything out about her character or the storyline in particular that made you think about the character in a different way? Or was it very much like a validating, like, yes, we're on the same wavelength about this character that we both love so much? was a lot of like the validating like yes we're on the same wavelength thing but I actually think the thing that was the most interesting was how deeply she cared about the fandom like she cared more than we thought she did like I never wanted to talk about it because I always felt weird at the time like I didn't want like randos coming in my dms and being like you know hey can you like tell her this like Mm -hmm. i did not want that especially because by that point it was like starting to get into season four and things were starting to get weird but she was so concerned with making sure that everybody had a positive experience in fandom like that was something that mattered to her a lot so we talked about that a lot like positivity in fandom and how can you spread that and what can you do about it and like what do you do with the fact that, yeah, there were certain aspects of that fandom that were toxic to the point where we all know it because the cast left social media for most of it. Like that they knew were toxic and we knew were toxic. And talking about that with her was actually even more eye-opening than talking about the character, like to the point where it was like, she pays attention, she cares not just about this character, but about the people who love this character. And she has a very strong sense of like, the people who are talking about the show on the internet or her fans are actual human beings and wanting to make sure that like they feel validated or like they feel safe or they feel comfortable like talking about the show however they want to. Like she's just a pretty awesome human being and I will shout that from the rooftops as many chances as I can get to do that. 
I honestly had no idea she cared as much as she did. And it looks like a lot of the cast felt that way too. On the day of the 10th anniversary, many of the main cast and recurring cast members took to social media to celebrate the milestone. All of the messages were showered with love and humility on how once upon a time changed their life. None of the drama mattered. They only remembered the good times. When the cast was active during the heyday of Once Upon a Time, they really stepped in and advocated for the fandom in ways I never expected, especially during the darker days. During the course of the series, the fandom faced tragedy when we lost some of our own. For instance, Adrian was a French oncer, more active on Tumblr than Twitter. She died from meningitis. A lot of my friends knew her. I didn't since I wasn't on Tumblr, but her loss created ripple effects across the fandom. One still felt to this day. I have to mention Adrienne and her passing. That was, that that's something that I still will remember because it was such a strange thing that happened in fandom. And it was at a dark time in fandom. It was at a really dark time where I feel like there was so much drama with people. And then all of a sudden, one of the sweetest, most supportive people in the fandom passes away. And the cast found out about it. Everyone found out about it. We're watching the show for her. And so much of that, like, I think that was that memory of like, this is a, this is real. Like as much as this is a show and we're all sitting behind computers and we're geeking out behind computers, one of us, a real human being just passed away. And it was such a wake up call to, to kind of realize, not that like you didn't realize, I feel like most people know this, but I don't know. It was just, it's one of those things that I, I I still don't even know how to talk about it. Like it's, but that was, I, I just feel like the darkest time in that fandom was both in the show and just literally in the fandom, like as a community that was, you felt a light dim. Speaking on regrets, um, I'd say the worst day in fandom was when Adrian died. Uh, that was like actively the worst day because um, I was not allowed to grieve. Um, and I still grapple with this all the time. I will cry now. Um, cause that is like my biggest regret. I had spent like a week, we had fallen out because of the toxic friend. And I had spent like a week having this feeling on my heart that I needed to talk to her. Um, and I didn't do it. And then she died like that week. Um, and because of that toxic friend, I was not allowed to even express any amount of grief. Like I was, able to post the picture that Jennifer posted because somebody had drawn a really pretty fan art that was dedicated to Adrian and Jen posted that and I was like allowed to like that um, but that was probably the worst day in fandom. I do remember I was just thinking about that actually um, yeah so it was this one sir who I personally didn't interact with um, much I don't yeah so I didn't interact with her much but this one who passed away and I honestly thought that was I mean it, it was so awful and so so sad I do I remember feeling very sad I remember you know your, your heart's breaking because this very young seemingly beautiful you know soul has passed 
Adrian wasn't the only Wantser we lost during the run of the series. Here's Philippa recounting the morning she found out that a British Wantser, Georgina, had lost her life during the Manchester Arena bombing in May 2017. The hardest day was I woke up and I had hundreds of messages from people because people don't know where Manchester is how far is Manchester from London like mm. you're if you if you like once upon a time you probably like you know music from like ex-Disney stars and all that kind of stuff everybody being like were you at the Ariana Grande concert and I was like no no I'm safe at home like what happened look up online see what happened and obviously it was like all over the news here it was like the biggest headline and I, I went to we had like a work away day and they were like, oh, they're going to like start saying who these people, like who these people are. They haven't named anybody yet. And just before the first name came out in the press, Twitter went nuts. And there was um, a girl called uh, Georgina, who was the first person named in the British press as having died at the concert. And she had, she was a huge once and she'd been at, there had been a con in Blackpool like two weeks earlier that she'd been at. And I hadn't gone because it was, it was 2017. It was the same year as the Vancouver con and it was only a few weeks later. So I was like, I've been in Vancouver. Like I don't have the money to go to Blackpool again, but she'd been there with all the other British oncers and like everybody knew her. And I remember like all of the, that was really amazing. All of the cast, um, she'd posted all of her pictures with all of the cast that had been there and they all changed their profile pictures. I think um, one of the dwarfs started it, I can't remember, like Lee or Gabe, somebody started it, maybe Michael Coleman, and they all changed their pictures to the ones she'd posted that she'd had taken with them. And one of them posted to be like, all of the cast that were at this con are gonna change their pictures to their pictures with Georgina. Like um, someone put like fans, um, like show us respect by um, having their profile pictures as them with us. We're gonna show her respect by having our profile pictures as of, of her with us. Um, and so, yeah, like that was a, I, I just like everybody else in England was like, this is terrible. Like, this is such an awful thing. And I just remember being like, this, this girl was a once And if I'd been at that convention, we probably would have hung out and spoken and been in the same line and like in the same fandom. And so like nobody else I knew, knew anybody who'd been at the concert or anything. And all of a sudden I was like, I, I like having a, a, someone else from your fandom there yeah. feels like you were there. Like yeah. that we're, we're all like, we're all closely connected. Um, mm -hmm. So I remember that being a, like a really a sad day, but like showing how great and supportive fandom can be as well. For as dark as the fandom could get, when we lost one of our own, fandom really came together from all over the world to mourn, support, and grieve together. That was one of the times that uh, I think fandom transcend everything online and people were really connected and moved and really feeling the same sorrow the sadness to lose someone from the fandom that were there that were sharing those those passions those excitement with us that was so you know daily like we were like everyone was together like happy with that and some someone was there and then was not. So I remember that that made me feel more connected with the other people. And it was so sad. So it was uh, so, uh, a really, really terrible time, but I think brought the cessation of 
the feeling that we were were a group, you know, connected more than just about the TV show. So yeah, it was was interesting how that affects us. So mm -hmm. yeah. I think it showed a different side of the fandom and unified for that one time. And um, it was really nice to see to see that unity and yeah, and something different. Maybe like I would always imagine, like, I wonder what her parents maybe saw coming or her family or loved ones, friends. Because we're all involved in this thing where our families and our parents, they don't really care. They don't care about our online communities or Twitter or friends or whatever. But seeing the impact that this person had on a lot of people, thousands of actors and, and things, that, that was really special. And um, yeah, and you never know the impact you're going to have on someone. So I, I, always, I always remember that with um, like really sadness and but also it was nice to see the unity that, hey, at the end of the day, it was, it's just a show. And this came outside of the show, but we're all in this kind of group together, even with the actors. It was, it was good to see that, that side of it too. Just like, I think my mind kind of blocks it. Cause those were like really sad, sad days of thinking like, oh my gosh, like a oncer is, is gone. Like somebody who brought, you know, something to the show and, and all of that kind of stuff. You really are one big family. It doesn't matter where that person is in the world. You're kind of like- Just like when those events happened, like you all came together and yeah. it just shows like how much we do care about each other. After all this time, we still remember our lost oncers. So for the next few seconds, I'd like to take a moment of silence for Adrian and Georgina at this time. Rest in peace, my fellow fangirls. The 10th anniversary of Once Upon a Time is officially here. A decade ago, Emma Swan opened her apartment door, reunited with her son, and embarked on a magical journey. On one hand, it's hard to imagine that so much time has passed. On the other, it feels just about right. The pilot premiered 10 years ago. Does it feel like it's been that long? No, I hate it. <laughs> It dates me. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I cannot, I cannot believe it's been 10 years. I really, I think it's just my perception of time that I don't believe it's been a decade. Um, but it is amazing to think about that and all the growth that you've done. I mean, obviously the show is nice and it's nice to think about that. But like I said, when I think of Once Upon a Time, I think of the fandom. So it's nice to think back about wow it's 10 years and the growth that I've gone through in those 10 years whereas maybe 10 years ago Laura was very different than how I am today so it's weird to think about it's good to be in this side <laughs> of the, the decade it does feel like once upon a time was a full lifetime ago you know a lot has changed in my own life in the last 10 years you know, I got married in 2013. I bought a house in 2014. I had a baby in 2015, you know, and <laughs> I changed careers during the midst of the pandemic. Like, <laughs> you know, to hear that Once Upon a Time aired 10 years ago sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. 
no no it it feels like a while it does it doesn't feel like 10 years i mean even though what is time anymore with, <laughs> with the pandemic i mean i feel like i've lost all sense of times um but even without that i don't think i would feel like it was been 10 years i mean maybe five six years or something it does feel like it's been a decade because that was when i started college and that definitely feels like a decade ago um i feel like a very different person from who i was then um but it's so so weird to think about yes and no <laughs> yeah like it like I'm trying to remind myself that I was um like in grade I was in middle school when this came out and yeah. it's like it's... a whole nother part of like me being so young and like watching this whole series like I feel oh, I feel like this conversation that we're having right now it's transported me back and I have to remember that we're actually like what year we're actually in mm-hmm. <laughs> like right now I'm kind of like Just, I yeah I can't believe that like it's almost starting to fit to be so long ago like when you start to see things you're like oh that was like five or six years ago I, I mean I think time's lost all concept in the last 18 months um and like <laughs> anything before March 2020 feels like it was in another lifetime but aside from that I just feel like it can't possibly have been like five six seven whatever years ago like I started watching the show in 2014 that's seven years ago that I mean that's insane <laughs> It's insane to think that a whole 10 years has gone by since Once Upon a Time entered my life. With this milestone finally here, and with time removed, does this mean it's time for a series rewatch? Do you do you plan on ever revisiting the series? I'm not going to say never, because I feel like maybe one day I'll be like, yeah, let's revisit this and, and like troll myself for ever caring um, as much as I did, but I don't, I don't know. I maybe 30, 40 years down the line. When you invited me to come on to this podcast, I, I feel like talking about this and opening up about the things that I experienced, um, has helped me kind of unwrap why I left the fandom and, um, release, stuff (laughs) I can't really think of the word but like to to let go of what happened a long time ago um so I think re-watching this series moving forward will be a lot easier for me I want to watch the whole thing even even the last season um I I did watch all of the last season but I sort of like half I must say half watched it I watched it but I would wait for episodes to pile up and then sort of watch them all and maybe like not like do other things while it's on just Mm -hmm. to see just to know what's understand what's going on because I wasn't like captivated with it but sometimes when you watch things the second time around they improve especially sometimes when you binge things I think sometimes shows improve um so I would like to watch it all from start to finish Again, I don't know when I'll do that. I mean, I've tried a couple of times, probably not anytime soon. Um, Because it does feel like the mid-specific episodes, like the musical episode. So the musical episodes, that episode I've rewatched a lot. Like if you cut the end scene where they're like looking and then the, the, like something ominous is happening, that's like a good ending. And it's like, some I watch it, I'm like, 
and just press pause. That's sort of like I, I sort of like the series ended in a good place for me again. So I never feel like I have to go back. I recently did a, a rewatch of the whole thing until season six. I don't really like season seven, so I don't go there. So I think it's a very nice thing that I can watch once upon a time, almost to the end, only when I can stop only season seven, just because I think it's a different show. I'm, I'm going to say, if anyone's listening to this and they're on the fence about watching season seven, or if they have never watched season seven, I'm just going to say, go into it thinking it's a spinoff. Like mm, don't whole separate thing. Cause I noticed that everyone who is so like attached to the original once, like one through six, and we were two, mm. the second I thought of it as just a bonus thing or a spinoff, I felt lighter because it I was, was like, just, it brought the fun back into it. Cause yeah. like, they're not see, trying to ruin the story of season exactly. one through six. If, if, again, if you're on the fence about watching it and say you haven't watched it, or you're kind of like, I don't know if I should just go into it as it's a completely different show. You just get to have these cameos with these characters that you've, you've known. Now, if you aren't ready to dive back into the Enchanted Forest, my friend Laura has an alternative for my fellow oncers. If you're in the fandom, maybe you're not in it right now, like I am. Go back to your posts from the beginning, from Twitter. They're so fun to watch. It just cringe. Oh my goodness, the things that I posted are just so awful. And I'm like, why would people like this? Why would people retweet this? So tacky, but I love it. So definitely go back to your posts and just kind of hone out all that cringe and see how you were and just evaluate how your life is different now and how much you've grown because it's just so much fun. You know, maybe I should give my old tweets a read. For me, I'm not sure if I'm fully ready to commit to a rewatch of the series. There's just too many things happening in my life right now, but after this whole journey, I think I'm way more open to it now than I have been in years. After all, it was the series that changed everything for me. How has your life changed because of Once Upon a Time? I got to have experiences that were incredible where, you know, I got to meet people from the cast and I haven't really done that with, with other shows or, or anything. I've met other actors and stuff, but there's a few shows where I've met actors, but um, I haven't been involved with a, sh a show's fandom to this degree with any other show. I mean, I'm involved with other shows fandoms a little bit, but not this this much and it inspired me to read other people's writing more and write my own things more and I I feel like I grew I taught myself how to do certain kinds of like digital art I just I just got well let's just let me try it and I'm proud of myself because it you know things turn out nice and uh and other people are so inspired. I was inspired by other people in a way that I, it's almost hard to describe because the show is, the, I think, the type that it's such a, um, it's a show about good people and about goodness and about heart and hope. 
that it sort of made me it brought me brought hope and sort of mad and i know that sounds really corny but it brought hope and 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 sort of magic into my life that i wouldn't have had otherwise so of course it changed my life on the positive side of things um where i am currently in my career i essentially owe everything i know to once upon a time um because i was so heavily invested in the entertainment journalism side of things. I read every interview. I watched every roundtable. I remember the San Diego Comic-Con roundtables, like going through every people, like every Twitter account, every YouTube code searching for things, looking for things, finding people who had press access, like messaging people, talking to people, asking questions, learning what certain lingo meant. Um, you know, discovering how to get into press access stuff, like researching and learning everything I do now is because of Once Upon a Time and so many of the people that I like, I look to for like reviews and coverage I'm like friendly with now and like <laughs> they follow me on Twitter and it's like this such a weird, like weird evolution. And I think that's why like I wouldn't change my involvement in the once upon a time fandom because I definitely would not be sitting here talking to you right now. I would not, I would not be in the job that I'm in. I feel like I'm braver as a person because of writing about Emma's journey towards finding that bravery and the vulnerability and all of that, that I feel like so writing about it so much got like like I consumed all of the words I was writing about her and it really did help me. The impact of the series remains profound. To this day, the lessons I learned from Once Upon a Time still stay with me today. I think the show has a beautiful message about redemption. I think uh, Second Chance is a lot of this is something that you see in a lot of those relationships that you always can start from the fresh, you know, you can always give you that opportunity to be better and try to be a better person, no matter what you did in the past. I really like this idea of everybody can be good or bad and everybody deserves a second chance. So that's something that I bring to my life and I try to think with the small things in life, you know, small mistakes that we do and we can uh, restart every time we want. We just have to forgive ourselves. So I think this is a beautiful lesson. It's like a couple of times, um, you know, is it the season five finale? Yeah. like land of untold stories that's right isn't it when they're in the fountain and like they yeah. need everybody to believe and they're just like in the middle of new york and henry makes this whole speech about like you know like you need to believe everyone like it kind of like going back to jefferson and everyone wants a magical solution to their problems but no one's willing to believe in magic or whatever and like saying to everyone like all you have to do is believe and he got all of these you know within the like plot of the story got all of these people who weren't from a land of magic who didn't know that they really were magical to believe enough to make the magic happen yeah. and I just feel like that's what the show was like trying to do for the fans like you you can carry on believing in the magic like it, it's okay to be grown-ups and carry on believing in the magic and believing that that's going to lead you to your happy ending
that was what Spot Time was all about. It was about being vulnerable and opening yourself up to that and that you will find people through doing that. Like that is, that was Emma's whole journey. And you look at that and you're like, oh, you know, that, that is exactly what happened. You write about that show and you open yourself up to meeting new people and you, you find your people. That's what happens. Once Upon a Time as a series taught me so much. And so did its fandom. The lessons I learned from my time with the Once Upon a Time fandom has impacted the way I view and interact with online fandoms today. Here are some of the lessons my fellow fangirls and I learned from our time as Oncers. I learned that all fandoms have their faults. All fandoms have, you know, elitists and people who feel entitled. But there are also some really amazing people in fandom. I have met so many incredible friends through fandoms. You know, Once Upon a Time being the first fandom that I was a part of online. Um you know, like with you and a couple other people I'm still really close with uh, because of Once Upon a Time, Um, you know, and so you just have to find a good group of people. Like that's what I learned. And that's what I do now with the fandoms I'm involved with. You know, I find a good group of people. I meet people online. And even when conventions were happening, um, you know, to just enjoy the thing. You know, it's, it's, it's not about, it's not about who knows more, who's been to more conventions or tapings or who's had more interactions with, you know, people of the show, um, you know, that it's, it's just supposed to be fun. And, you know, unfortunately, I, I think this goes for a lot of things when it's your first of anything, it's, it's going to be like the guinea pig, the test you know, um, so once upon a time, being a part of that fandom for those years has showed me how to interact in a healthy way in my fandoms moving forward. I think honestly, like this fandom, like helped me embrace just being that geeky, nerdy girl, like not just like being like a straight A student at school, but also just really loving like any entertainment property that I was like obsessed with like I was always so shy about that like mm-hmm. and then going through high school I started to like find a few people who did like it but like even if like my main friend group like wasn't huge fans of like the show or Disney in general I still like I owned it I was like this is like part of me as you're talking I just had this like epiphany thing and like as like Emma was her walls were breaking down because you know we heard about all the walls and stuff like that I think all of our like uh, you know for me like opening up and saying like yes I'm a part of this fandom or yes this is who we are because we were so scared for so long about going public about going public and all of that and breaking down the walls and like trusting other people is exactly what Emma went through that's freaky okay (laughs) oh I never even realized yeah (laughs) whoa this show there's one thing that I did learn that I think I learned from the once one time fandom which is that um, I don't need to engage with everyone, that not everyone deserves a response. So that is something that has stayed with me and that I learned thanks to some of the Rumble fans coming at me and some of the like the the discourse around once upon a time that was very passionate um, that has helped me in my social media life um, since that. Um, that even though I am good at arguing, that doesn't mean I have to argue with everyone because not everyone's like actually arguing in good faith. 
So I, I actually appreciate that. Now I'm like, oh, this person is calling me dumb. Okay, mute. And before I would be like, but why are you? So, I had that. so thank you once upon a time, Fandom, for teaching me you don't know the sort of an answer. It was a whole growing up process. I think in a lot of ways, a lot of us grew up as sort of fangirls to fan women through the Once Upon a Time fandom. What a great, I know. what a great term for that. It's true. Like, I mean, I still call myself a fangirl, but I think at the end of the day, there's a process that happens. And I think it is a lot of coming into your own and learning that like, this is my voice. This is what I want to say about it. It's impossible to spend so much time reflecting on a time of life and think about what could have been different. We can't change the past, but we can acknowledge it and continue to learn from it. Looking back on your time with Once Upon a Time, is there anything you would have done differently? Boundaries. 100% boundaries. Just having more boundaries with myself and my writing and not being so hard on myself. I would have um, disengaged with the trolls and the haters, for lack of a better word, sooner um, rather than trying to reason with them. Um, Because now I understand that there are just people who have made up their minds in fandom, which is fine, um, but you can't like talk about things that they are already set on disagreeing about. Um, And to just enjoy it for me, instead of trying to enjoy it um, like for other people, or like with this group of people who half of them turned out to be toxic? I would say not stress about little things or not stress about um, if my review was like good or something like that. And I, but I, I'm just, I tend to always stress about what I'm writing, but that's just, that's just me. I can't help it, but try to do so maybe a little bit less and roll with the punches maybe a little bit more. I think I could not care in the beginning about the bullying and not like try to be stronger when dealing with that, you know. Um, and I I wish it didn't affect me the way it did at some times. I think that's the the darkest part of my experience in the fandom, like being called names and being attacked and people tweeting things to me saying that was this or that. And I wish I could really just block everyone and just move on. So much. Um there's like one message I wouldn't have sent. Um, I wouldn't have befriended one person. And I think my entire experience would have been better. Um, but I did. And I can't, I can't change that. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I wish I had not been on Tumblr as much as I was. I wish that I had had more of a social life that would have kept me from being on Tumblr as much as I was. 
but you know, changing those things is like such a double-edged sword because then I wouldn't be who I am today. And I think that even though it was like hell of an experience, I came out of it and I learned a lot and it's made me a better person. Um, because it was such a toxic experience and I, I, I'm fortunate that I learned it so early on for better or for worse, the way things did pan out ultimately ended up being a blessing in disguise. For worse and for better, everything worked out the way that it did for a reason, but what is left behind? The series has ended the cast has moved on to other projects. My fellow fangirls have moved on to other fandoms. Even Steveston has very little storybook left in it. Let me tell you, I just recently went to Steveston um, with my fiance and there's nothing left, which is kind of sad, like none of the, the signs or anything, but um, Mr. Gold is still there and it's now called Mr. Gold and it is an amazing gelato and high tea shop. And I walked in and I almost burst into tears. It was absolutely June, 2022. That's where we're going. Yeah, (laughs) we were going to make a trip there. Uh, Let's go ahead and mark that in our calendar. It was amazing. So we got to go. (laughs) Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah, that was the one thing that was remaining. And then I think the Cannery Cafe, which was Granny's, I think they have a menu item named after Granny. Steveston Storybrooke may have some glimmers left, but I think what still remains for many of us is the friendships that were born out of this fandom. How has your life changed because of Once Upon a Time? Lots of quotes. Quote have you guys? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. Friends, friendship at the top. Friendship completely at the top. A part of me can never hate this show and this fandom, no matter how angry it makes me, because so many of the the people that I've met, I don't ever want to live in a world without. So it's just like, as much as there was so much drama, the people that are in my life, the people that like, we've all followed each other to different corners of fandom or like just different parts of the world, literally to meet each other, to hang out is because of the show and I, I I still can't believe it like genuinely it has brought some of my closest friends into my life so many of uh, I I can't like believe it it's just yeah so it's it's the people it's the friendships fandom can be a scary weird place but at the end of the day it it brings you your people it really does. It brings you the people that are supposed to be in your life. And it is, I, like you said, I'm never going to regret it for as weird as it was. And the, you know, ups and downs of it. At the end of the day, I have met people that I can talk to about pretty much anything. And it was because of that show, like that show about fairy tales gave me a little bit of magic in my life. And I'm happy about it. It was a real once upon a time. It was the friends we made along the way kind of thing. Like that's, the thing I've sort of kept from every fandom and, and and that's the thing that still to this day I'm like well I don't regret having uh that time in the once upon a time fandom even if I I in my head it's like oh was once upon a time good or like did I enjoy it at times I did but like was it worth my investment in my time maybe not but the people um that sort of uh were there at the same time then as I was were 
so that sort of makes it like I always like every time I feel like oh this fandom was a waste of my time I remember no because this fandom gave me people um that are still in my life so that's worth um even the bad experiences in fandom and that's what I hold on to for everything the show and the fandom was I will forever be grateful for the friends who came into my life because of it. These friendships that were born out of this crazy and magical place are what stay with me after all this time. I am a better person because I know these ladies. Before I started my interviews, I wanted to go back and revisit the pilot. I needed to see what this milestone we're celebrating and remind myself of what I was part of in the first place. So I recorded myself after I finished the episode and before my very first interview for these episodes. Okay, so I am recording this uh, before my first set of interviews um, dealing with Once Upon a Time. I have just finished watch. I just finished watching the pilot and I wanted to record some of my thoughts um, before diving into this thing that I'm about to embark on. It's been 10 years since Once Upon a Time was introduced to the world. The main character, Emma Swan, it starts on her 28th birthday and watching this episode, the first episode, um, I am now currently 28 and seeing her and where she's at in life and seeing where I am at in life, it kind of hit me pretty profoundly that it's been 10 years and I am now in the same life stage as Emma Swan. No, my life is not the same as hers. Um, my parents are both around. I was never put up for adoption. I didn't go through the foster care system. I didn't have a child when I was 18. I wasn't reunited with that child. Um, 10 years later, I've never had my heart broken. Rewatching the pilot, it was kind of I was reminded of the love at first sight feeling I had in watching this show. And I could have never guessed the journey I would be on after that. In the same way, Emma didn't realize the journey she would be on after meeting Henry on her doorstep. Uh, little did she know that she would find a her true home in Storybrooke, be reunited with her parents, make new friends, have an epic love story with uh, Captain Hook, Killian Jones, that she would get married and she would have another kid, that she would fight dragons, curses, evil witches, you name it, and that she would be the savior turn into the dark one, come back into the light and actually have a happy beginning of her own. And I see that in my life too, in different ways, not, not in the same 
exact way, but I see the ways that there have been new journeys, hardships, and happy new beginnings along the way. And I hope, I hope that this project that I'm doing, this these podcast episodes would serve to reignite some of that hope, give perspective on that time of my life, cherish the good memories, learn from the bad ones, and close the book on Once Upon a Time in the way it deserves. And after four episodes, I think I have. It's been fun to remember the good memories, reflect on the bad ones, learn from those mistakes, and celebrate this anniversary in a way that I finally feel good to close the storybook and drive off into the sunset in the yellow bug once and for all. But before I drive off and sign off, Here's some final words of wisdom from my fellow Oncers, applicable to every fandom you may encounter. I do consider myself, you know, a full-time geek. Um, and so it's just very important to me now, especially having had that experience to let people know that, you know, fandoms are supposed to be something that's fun. And unfortunately, like I said earlier, like there's going to be, there's, you know, there's not so fun people everywhere. Um, and you just got to find that group and cling to them and, you know, be, be the fun in the fandom. I would say just, just enjoy it when you're watching it. And if you're someone who had trouble maybe um, revisiting it, or if I know some people were sort of, they, they said fandom almost ruined the show for them, which I find kind of sad. Um give it another shot maybe. And maybe you can become aware of some issues that the show has and notice its imperfections, but maybe care about them a little less and just sort of embrace everything the show did right. A message that I have for everyone that there is in a fandom, if it, you are you know, first fandom, someone that has been in fandom since, you know, 20 years, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Fandoms are all the same, that's it. So you have like good days, bad days, bad people. You have people that want to be popular. You want people that has to know everything, people that don't like the other ship. You know, anti-shippers, anti-tags go, you know, don't look at that. Just live your life, just ship your ship, be happy, enjoy. Don't demand, just accept the story is not yours. The story is from the writers. They want to show you that if you don't like, just don't waste your energy, just move on. There are a lot of TV shows, a lot of stories around you're probably gonna find something that is gonna make you happy. There's something that stayed with me from the ones when I joined fandom is that fandom is still mostly worth it, even in the bad days, because there are good days and then there are regular days which are good most of the time. So 
I mean, if someone's listening to this and being like, oh no, fandom is the worst, fandom is actually not the worst, um, even when there are bad days. So yeah, you'll get more from fandom than fandom will take from you most of the time. You lose complete touch of yourself when you let a fandom overtake yourself. And I've seen people that I, I was friends with on like Twitter and other fandoms let ships overtake their entire life. And they spend all of their time talking about what people who hate their ship are talking about. They spend all of their time fighting and getting into these like weird, obsessive, like, oh, this person's talking about this and this and this and this. And like, I have to talk about it and I have to like be crappy to people. And it's like, you don't, it's just fandom. (laughs) Like invest this energy in something more important (laughs) like that's why I am like such a big fan of people who do like fundraisers and stuff Uh, like if you if you want to invest that energy invest in something that will actually make a positive impact on someone's life because boycotting a ship or advocating for a ship to happen is not going to actually do anything it's it's fake and it'll get canceled (laughs) and I just wish that the way that we approach fandom was different and the way that we approach friendships and fandom were different. I would say just watch out for social media, guys. Don't get too invested. Uh, Meet the people, the people that you have connections with and friendship. Meet them in a public area, like conventions. Maybe don't go to each other's houses for the first time and plan a sleepover with random strangers. That's that's just weird. Don't do that. That was like, that's just like (laughs) dumb decision-making. You know, you would never want to do that. (laughs) I totally did that. (laughs) That's how we met. (laughs) So be smart about it. (laughs) But um. But enjoy it, have fun. Don't let it become something you idolize. That's something to watch for. Again, it's it's fun to to I don't know, geek out and have be passionate about something. That's always so fun. Just don't let it control your life. Thank you to everyone for joining me on this trip down memory lane to Storybrook and back. Big shout outs to all of my guests for sharing their stories and really just bringing this whole thing to life. And also a special shout out to my friend, In Out Delete's Robert Meza for editing these episodes. As always, you can follow me at Meredith Loftus on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Pod. If you like my podcast at all, please give it some love on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day.